0: What message would be fit for a great Sunday like this recognizing the deeds of God in getting into the student activity center? What would be worthy of Christ? What magnifies God's generosity in Christ that we've all experienced? In 2015, no one would have bet on Calvary paying cash for this project in opening such a place now we still have some receivable bills to pay but we know now and didn't know till now as we got to the end that we are within the margin of the generosity of God's people and we'll be able to do this with cash God be praised it's another stroke of Yahweh Jirah, the Lord who provides. The early teens of this millennium were not easy years for Calvary Baptist Church. There were a series of consecutive tough years financially. The old church home took some hits, people left. Then God acted to move his people to act and not give up on making history together. Here we are in 2022 and God has showered us, showered us with his goodness and his grace. It was almost two years ago that out of nowhere, a commercial real estate person representing interested investors approached us about the sale of a portion of the cherry factory. It was a back burner discussion, not our idea that something we pursued. We just prayed, God, are you in this? And as these things spin out, it took almost two years, and just before our deacon body meeting in September... We closed on the sale of the cherry factory. Unexpected mercy from God to help. God has acted to help us. He showered us. He's given us new vision and fresh life as a church family. Exhibit A tangible, touchable, physical. The Student Activity Center, just across the street. But I'm so happy to tell you what you know there are other exhibits as well and the best of them are the exhibits in changed hearts and people's lives in the network of Calvary Baptist Church. God be praised. It's important to be found looking to God with grateful and praising hearts and so here we are this morning and that's our purpose today. Come with me to a Famous doxology that closes Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him. Be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Hear the word of the Lord. I want to look at this doxology with you this morning from Ephesians chapter 3 and go two different directions. First. I want to look at the substance of this majestic doxology. Maybe you haven't thought of it as deeply as we can and we shall this morning. But then we'll turn and ask, what is this doxology saying to Calvary Baptist Church this morning? First, what is the substance of this epic doxology? Ephesians three twenty and 21. Now the context of this is the glory of Ephesians chapter 1. The glory of Ephesians chapter 2, the glory of Ephesians chapter 3 culminates in this mountain peak praise of God, this doxology that all of us have heard or many of us know even by heart. It closes the first half of the book of Ephesians. If you look at chapter 3 and verse 19, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, we go from a knowledge of the love of Christ that is surpassing to a focus on the power of God and the doxology that is beyond anything that we could imagine. Or John Stodd says, we turn from the love of God past knowing to the power of God past imagining. From limitless love to limitless power. What a God is the God of the Bible. Now there are three substantial takeaways from the text of this doxology. Let's consider it together first. Jesus Christ is always to be the big deal at church. Look at verse 21, to him be glory, glory. Who is to attract the attention? Who is to be magnified? Glory is what is being talked about, ascribing glory. To whom are we to ascribe glory? Notice how careful Paul is to send it in the right direction. Look at 3.20, now to him look at 321 to him the spotlight shines right on God in Jesus Christ have you ever visited a church and left with the impression that quite frankly the big deal at that church was the pastor Now, since it's just us kids, can we be candid with each other? Brother Estep, and I always get his initials mixed up. David, is it D.B.? Okay, I, I got it right. I've always mixed it up. D.B. ESTEP. Was it 47 years, almost 50 years of service to our Lord here? And it was iconic to set this place up on an extraordinary foundation. What a great leader, a great pastor! Went up in the apartment, lied down for a nap, and went to heaven. Warren Wiersbe, a -a once-in-a-generation leader, was here from 1963 to 1971, and he leaves here and goes to the iconic flagship gospel-preaching church, Moody Church in Chicago for an incredible run before and who could take his place he takes Ted Epps place back to the Bible broadcasts and finishes his run while he's riding all along he was an extraordinary leader those were incredible years there's a dear sister here and she was losing her mental capacities. she's now in heaven and whenever I'd talk to her um, um, she would share a pleasant greeting and the next sentence was Warren Wearsby. And it was as if last Sunday he was here. <laughs> and that was her most vivid recollection and those were great years. You know what? Brother Wearsby suffered demise and he died. Charlie Wagner's 10,000 volume library in his basement preaching with all of that content. Charlie's gone. He's in heaven. Randy Faulkner was faithful for 17 years here in various capacities. Went on to have a great run in Oklahoma City. He's now in Valdosta, Georgia, next to his dear daughter. And he's into a fight with Parkinson's. And I love it. He told me, Eric, I'm not going to let this define me he's playing pickleball down there and, and beating up on guys and you know I uh, appreciate his spirit but uh, that's what happens Eric Mounts will grow old and die and be forgotten this is the drill is it not? this is what happens in the below world but what's left over if it has been done right is we're all just like John the Baptist it's him Behold the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world unto him, he says it not once in this doxology. he says it twice so we 'd get it right and if you somehow think that this all was pulled off by Eric in this building, you need first you need to talk to my wife and she 'll disabuse you of of lofted images of of, of all just a, a A broken guy holding on to the grace of God and every day finding Jesus all the more beautiful and our hope all the more rich. That's why. It's just a fellow struggler with you. Now unto him. Unto him. Let us never forget that. Arturo Toscanini was the famous Italian maestro, was extraordinary in leading orchestras, And he had a very fat ego. It was sad. He was born in the mid 19th century and lived into the 20th century. And he was invited to be a guest conductor, as it would often be his lot. And he went before a famous orchestra. And the piece that they chose to have him lead was Beethoven's Fifth Symphony. And if you're as uncultured as I am, that's the one. <speaking in Spanish> you know, I mean, it's, it's really neat. I, I actually went to it just to hear that well, at least one time. You know, it was on my bucket list to hear the orchestra do that. Well, nobody could bring out of the orchestra what Toscanini could bring out. And in the last rehearsal, before the first show, these professionals very much out of character. When that last line came, that summing piece, and they were finally done and they were ready for it, spontaneously, unprovoked, they stood to their feet and they gave Toscanini a standing ovation for which he would have none of. And he was a little curt, he waved him down beat on the platform with his stick till they got back in his chair. And he said, no, 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 no. It's Beethoven. It's Beethoven. And if we remember that it's Jesus Christ and we put him at the center and we exalt him, men will come and go and die and go to be with the Lord. And what will remain will be a passionate affection for this one who loved us and gave himself for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. Let us ever keep him before us, now unto him. Not once, twice, to him be glory. Now the second substantial takeaway is this. God is always powerfully at work to glorify his son, Jesus Christ God is at work. Look at chapter 3 and verse 20. According to the power at work within us. You say, Eric, I I don't know what God's doing. I know what he's doing. He's working within us to glorify his son, to show us the beauty of a life given over to this one who loved us and gave himself for us. God is at work. Aren't you encouraged by that? You say, Eric, I don't understand the complexities of my life and the circumstances I'm going through. Well, I may not be able to explain it all to you, but let me speak into your circumstances and tell you that God is at work in all of it. He's at work within us, a powerful work. Now, notice the couplet in verse 21. He's at work in the church, And in Christ Jesus. And notice with the and how closely he associates those two. Jesus with his family. God is at work through Jesus in his family by the Spirit. That encourages my heart. He works in ways we cannot see, He does things that no one else can do. God is at work. God is at work. Where is God at work? He's at work in the church. That's what the text says. God is at work at Calvary Baptist Church. God works through the church. In The last year I was inviting a family here and asking them if they had a church home. The answer went something like this. Oh, no, we don't go to church, but boy, we're involved in a lot of ministry. I thought of that conversation here because I want you to know where God works is in the church and through Jesus Christ in his family and among his people. And that's what Paul is raising this high praise to. Please notice in verse 21 that his work has no end. It's not like, well, he's done doing that now. No, he will glorify his son throughout all of the ages, the eons to come. Forever and ever. And throughout every generation, what what is God doing? He's glorifying his son. He's showing off the glory of his son, the beauty of his son. His work has no end. It's the ongoing work of God. Notice how verse 21 ends. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. Forever and ever. Amen. So be it. The ongoing work of God. It's reminiscent of what Paul says in Ephesians 2, 7 when he says, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Now the third substantial takeaway from this doxology is this. God's ability to show his power is without limit. God's ability to show his power is without limit. Don't miss what is said. Now unto him, Eric, who's him? Him who is able. The first part of the resume that is presented is the ability of God. Now, we live in a, especially after COVID, in, a, in an age of digital commerce. So, reviews digitally now mean more than they've ever meant. And everybody, when you buy something, now wants you to leave a review, and of course they want you to say, this was the most wonderful, 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 wonderful experience I've ever had buying anything all of my life. The reason they want you to leave a good review is they want other prospective buyers to check out the product. And it's reliability it's worth just how good it is what are people saying you go to Angie's need to find somebody to work on your house I'm not recommending anything I'm just reminded that their people will say whatever you do don't hire this plumber the guy's a loser or they will say This is the most extraordinary job I've ever had done. They are a very able worker. Here's what Paul says Now unto him who is able. One of the things we must believe about God, and it's what's revealed in the scripture, is that God is able. He's able. He's adequate. He's sufficient. In 1949, Billy Graham broke onto the scene in a former generation of gospel Christianity through a series of meetings, I remember it as seven weeks, in Hollywood, in Los Angeles, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. It created quite a stir. Several motion pictures Uh, known folk came to place their faith in Christ and the press picked it up in fact it's a fascinating story incidental to the message but a godly lady I remember her as a widow was uh, praying that God would use the meetings to lift up Jesus and she decided she was going to write a letter to Randolph Hearst who was publishing, what, the L.A. Times at the time. And, you know, here's a, a, a widow lady who just was a woman of prayer who write, said, I really think you should cover what's going on under Billy Graham's tent and signed her name and sent it off. That made its way to his desk, and he was provoked by it, sent word to the editorial staff, "Puff Graham, and that started the meeting to take off. Well, people were trying to explain what's going on because several, in a concentrated period of time, came to place their faith in Jesus Christ and begin a relationship with him. They all got in a circle one day and they said, hey, Billy, tell us what's going on. Why is this happening? What's going on? In the circle stood Stuart Hamlin, who wrote music for motion pictures and was in that world. Also in that circle was John Wayne, Duke was there and he's listening to the whole thing and when they posed that question to Billy Graham Billy tell us what's going on how do you explain this he said that's all it is no secret what God can do and Duke looked at Stuart Hamlin he said Stuart that's a hymn." (laughs) and Hamlin wrote of course it is no secret what God can do What he's done for others, he'll do for you. With arms wide open, he'll welcome you. It is no secret what God can do. If you believe the God of Ephesians 3, 20 and 21, it is no secret what God can do, nor ought you be astonished or surprised by the building that we're going to walk into in a few moments. But it's a tribute To the ability of God. We used to sing that chorus. He's able. He's able. I know he's able. I know my Lord is able to carry me through. I I pondered this week whether or not we believe that. Oh yeah, Eric, we believe that. Yeah. Well, do we live like we believe that? Because when you believe that, you live differently than when you don't believe that. Now here he makes a word pyramid. Now unto him who's able. That's good. You get able to do. Okay, he's, he's a doer. Exceedingly. Okay. Abundantly. Oh, all right. Above and beyond. Oh, we can ask a thing. He builds a pyramid with words. Slamming these words together. It pulsates with power. The word from which we get our English word dynamite is here now to him who's able to do far more abundantly above beyond we could ask or think according to the dynamite at work within us to him be glory the able power of God it's a word from which we get our English word energy is here So you have the energy, the power of God at work within us and within the church to accomplish the ends of God, which are to glorify his son. That's what he wants to do. And that's what he does. Ian's category five wins are nothing before the power of God in Christ Jesus to bring transformation. The great rhetorical question of the Old Testament, is there anything too hard for God? Genesis 18 14? You get to this doxology, and the answer is absolutely not. Now, if the church believes God has power without limit, it will change how we do mission. So, my question to you this morning, my question to myself is, is this us? Are we really Ephesians 3:20 20 and 21 people or not? Now that's its substance. What's it saying to us? How does this doxology shape Calvary's conscience in this moment? The riches of the glory of knowing Christ are described in Ephesians 1, Ephesians 2, and Ephesians 3. And it ends with this glorious doxology. What three questions does it ask for Calvary? Number one, are we asking and thinking big enough at Calvary? In 1961, J.B. Phillips, some of you know him from his translation of the New Testament called the Phillips translation it's kind of a paraphrase Uh, he was an Anglican rector of a church he wrote a little book and I love its title your God is too small is he talking to us what do we ask for in prayer did you notice what he says now to him who's able to do far more abundantly than all that we here's the two categories ask Or think. What do we ask for in prayer? What dreams are we dreaming about? For Christ's sake. In our church. And in our lives. How big is the ask here at Calvary? James 4.2. We have not because we ask not. Wouldn't you with me rather be found guilty of asking too much than not asking what we could have had before a God who was willing to give it up because he's gracious and wanted to show the glory of his son? How big is our dream for the future? We'll never stop reaching for what's next as long as I'm here. Therefore, not unlike the building fund, which we've had before, there will be in the worship folder a a, a category listed for giving. You can still give to next because we're always working on what is next. But we have finished. God be praised. The effort together through God's generosity to pay cash for this building. How big are our dreams? You know, the Student Activity Center was a big dream. The dream's been around in various forms since the 90s. Some argue <laughs> it had a prior uh, lineage in the 80s with conversations about what we were going to do for our students. Pastor Davenport brought a plan together in 2011 in the midst of seven lean years financially, and the plan took off and was stymied and laid dormant and left for dead. In 2017, God picked up the dream, reshaped it, stirred generosity, and here we are in 2022. I've been thinking all week, and it's, it's, you, you might not have seen it, you might have missed it, in Lobby 2, right over the picture of the building that we've been looking at for 18 months, uh, we put a new uh, piece in the middle that has embossed over it, Psalm 18, 118, 23, this is the Lord's doing and it is marvelous in our eyes. Adoniram Judson said, attempt great things for God and expect great things from God. Is that who we are at Calvary? Don't you want to go to the plate and swing for the fence and just see what God does? Don't you want to ask big for the glory of Christ. And walk through it and see how it turns out. It's all up to him. He decides what's gonna be. He's honored when his people believe him. And I'm not just talking about buildings and, you know, I mean, I would love to paint the auditorium. You gotta do it every 50 years or so, you know, don't you think, you know, and, and um, put nice chairs in here and get some new flooring. I mean, that, that would be fantastic, but those aren't the best dreams. Do you have any dreams for your street? I have dreams for my cul-de-sac. I keep scratching away at those dreams and praying and thinking. Do you think about your family and your extended family? Are you on your knees dreaming dreams and asking big? If you read Ephesians three twenty and 21, that's where you'll be. But I want you to be encouraged to know that a beleaguered group began to pray and believe God And God set that building down that we can drive by perpetually into the future and be reminded that he does Ephesians 3.20 and 21 kind of things all to work to glorify his son. Let's make sure our dreams are God-sized, forged on our knees with big asks. Now the second question this doxology asks us is this is making Jesus known and showing his glory at the center of our yearnings at Calvary. The word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. Glory as of the only unique son of the father, full of grace and truth. We beheld his glory. This is the work of God, making Christ known, showing his glory. Remember, power working in us and in the church. Seeing his glory, seeing his beauty. This is at the heart of God's actions and his yearnings for our church. Are we driven by a desire that others would see indeed the glory of God in Jesus Christ through us and through our words of invitation to come and join him? in this great cause? What is at the center of our yearnings at Calvary? What is at the center of your yearnings personally for your life as you steward the precious life that God has given? Is it that others would see the wonder and glory of the person of Jesus? The third question this passage asks us is this. Do we own our obligation in each generation to glorify God by exalting Jesus Christ? Look at verse 21. The matter of glory going to God is a forever and ever discipline. Isn't that what it says? It's for all of eternity. For all of eternity we will be involved in God glorifying activity. I got stuck on the word generations in 321. In this moment, Calvary is stewarding the launching of another generation of young people for Jesus Christ. Throughout all generations. Now, everybody's going to use this student activity center, but it's built for our student ministry. Why? We want to teach the kids the gospel and invite them to the adventure of living for Jesus Christ in a great space that is worthy of the excellence of Christ. I want you to know that before I ever loved Jesus, I loved playing around in a gym. And while I was playing around in the gym, God reached for my heart and changed the trajectory of my life. All while I was having fun playing. In space like that. If you say, Eric, why did we do that? That's why we did it. We're running after hearts and lives. What I would have given to grow up in a church or to be around a church that had a place like that. That I could be a part of. Now I can't even run on the treadmill without breaking myself. You know, that's (laughs) this week's footnote. Let's have boatloads of fun in this great space while calling men and women and boys and girls to repent and believe in Jesus Christ and have their life found in him and built on that rock. You know, I struggled with this message this week. I love preparing for preaching. God, and I love it because God works on my own soul and speaks to my heart. I want so much out of this day for Calvary. I have a yearning heart and an overweening desire to preach the mother of all messages. And here I am at Ephesians three twenty and 21. Here we come to the end. We find that we have enough cash to do this. No debt. Many were not here, and you don't appreciate this. Let me help you appreciate this. Many were not here in the 80s. When in the middle 80s, I am told... We mounted an effort to pay off the school, you know, and and, and I love the the narrative spun out, and I'm going to mess it all up and ruin all the punchlines, but you know, it was something like, no more after '84, you know, and that was you know, let's let's finish it off in '84, and then it was, uh, let's revive the effort in '85, <laughs> then it was, uh, we'll continue working on it in '86, and, and you can go on ad nauseum through that, you know. Um, and God be praised, it was finally resolved, but I'm just glad we don't have to mount any of those campaigns, we're done and God did it and that's what this Sunday's about, I've been in other environments, I walked into an environment and I, I walked in open-eyed we're $16.2 million in debt we were only paying interest on the principal and that at draconian interest levels they did not budget for the debt service in the General fund, so we had to find $87,000 a month to pay the debt service. This is better. (laughs) God be praised. Um, I'm an old man, and I'm told that my best ideas, you know, had their best days about 1984. Here's the moment we're burning our mortgage. All right, we just did it. And I know you, 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 it's not cool or chick or, you know, neat to do that anymore. But I just did it. There is no mortgage. God be praised. Hallelujah. right. God did it. God did it. Here I am in the middle of outsized desire for this message, just wanting it to go really well, wanting it to stir your memory, wanting it to lodge in your mind. And I'm thinking, Lord, I feel this, so, this is so unworthy of you and of what you have done. And he just put his arm around me. He says, Have you read Ephesians 3, 20, uh, 21 lately? Why don't you ask? Why don't you dream? And let me take it exceedingly and abundantly above and beyond all that you could ever think. I have dreams for the building, for its use, for kids coming to know Christ and investing in families. You know what, God has dreams too. And let's jump into them with both feet and have hearts full of joy this morning for all that God has done. Amen? Praise be to God for your kindness in Jesus Christ and your generosity displayed among your people. Thank you, Lord. We have grateful hearts and you have made us glad. We recognize that before you in your presence. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.